Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today's guest is somebody I just adore, somebody I get to work with every day, somebody I actually just got to meet in person after knowing for a year, um, Stacey Onnen, the president of U.S. Operations for EXP Realty. Welcome to the show. Hello. It's funny. I was just thinking about that this morning, thinking about how much fun it was to get to finally like see the face and, and see, you know what I mean? The in real life yes. personality. And it was, but yet at the same time, it was that normal moment we have where it didn't feel like it was the first time I'm meeting you at the same time. It's like, yes, it's the first time I put the body to who you are, yeah. but the rest of it was already there, which is just cool. It is. It, you know what's so funny too, is that whenever we sort of meet in this virtual reality and then you meet in real life, but we've had like Zoom operations and things like that. Absolutely. Everyone sort of says to me, oh my God, you're much taller than I thought. I'm like, well, how <laughs> short do I look in Zoom? And everybody says to me, oh, you're much shorter. <laughs> <laughs> we did have that little picture together, which was adorable. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I think I only grew one inch since the fifth grade, by the way. So yeah. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> You know what? You know what's so funny? My mom is four foot eleven, and I'm almost six three. Isn't that funny? It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm five two, and my husband's six four. So there you go. Those photos are. There's a lot of those photos there's in your life. There's a lot of those photos in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stacy, you have well over two decades of experience in this business. So, for the oh. sake of the audience, just tell us how you got started in this crazy industry. Right. You know, that is the funniest thing. I have asked myself so many times, like, why did I actually first go into real estate? I was doing accounting for a construction company. Um, wow. and, and I just literally remember not realizing that, while I love the logic behind accounting and all of that, that I, even at the company I was at, I, I kept going downstairs and working the service desk. And I would even go out on some fireplace installs. How's that for weird? I, I could build a oh chimney gosh. pipe for you if that's, that's not a strange conversation. You know, and but I realized that being behind that desk, like that portion of it without that connection, what wasn't right for me. And so I remember I went and got my real estate license and did both for probably the first two years, like a lot of people do. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, and then a lady I sold the house to, I finally gave her my old job so I could actually get out. It was the only way to get out of the company. It was <laughs> awesome. Um, and then I was that crazy human who three years into it, um, I was doing the parts of real estate that I loved. I was doing big land acquisitions, turning them into subdivisions, going through entitlements, you know, wow. all that kind of stuff. And then selling it for the builder at the end piece. And we did model homes. And then I did that crazy thing three years in looking back, it realized how crazy it was. I opened my own brokerage three years in like, I think I was 31 at the time. Wow. And it was, I, you know, maybe it was that, uh, I'm gonna, I always jokingly think it was that cocky year where I'd gotten like NARs 30 under 30. So it was like, well, heck, I can conquer the universe. Now let's just open a brokerage, you know? Yeah, that makes perfect sense, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> you can sell real estate. I'm sure you can run one. <laughs> That's so that, absolutely. Yeah. Right? And then I got really, and then in uh, 08, I, I actually sold it. I sold it to a Keller Williams, um, stayed on with them. Wow. And did a lot of their mentor stuff there and, and helped with the brokering and did training. Um, and in the meantime, realized how much I missed brokering. So I opened a CE school, uh, helped like the Arizona Association rewrite some of the GRI type stuff and taught ABR and just a lot of those different NAR and those kind of classes and loved it. Um, 
And then my, I always call this gentleman my broker crush because he's like my broker mentor in the industry. And it's a gentleman named Jim Sexton. And I remember I was driving down the 101 when, no, 202, sorry, when Jim Sexton called me. And we'd been talking back and forth. And he, he actually got me back into brokering again by literally telling me how far the office was from my house. Like you're coming back. And, and so I did. And then I ended up running operations for that company um, and running the brokers for multiple States and then running their operations. And that was when, you know, Glenn and team called me and said, you know, when you want to do what you're doing here and just do it all over. And for the way my brain works, that's like the ultimate puzzle. Like we were in 30 something States at the time had 7,000 agents. And so just getting to finish building, I mean, I know this makes me sound like the biggest nerd in the world, but like <laughs> getting to like open the rest of the states, learn licensing laws, put that puzzle together to, you know, how do you build that seamless experience while still taking into consideration all the different states, the way they have to work was just like that high, like that fascinating. It was like, oh, I am in. Like, this is oh, going to be cool. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's that... It. What's it going to be like here? This is going to be cool, you know? And it's just, it's funny because even, even after we got all the states opened, there was no lull. Like then it's like, okay, so every system we, we build, we grow so fast. We just broke it. All right, let's go build something new, you know? And, and you get that. I mean, it's, we're just in this oh, constant, yeah. you know, we're, we're the billion dollar startup that is just still right. busting butt and moving forward and, you know, and the other thing, and I, I know you understand this too, is like, I appreciate that Glenn hires those around him that do what they do in their area 100%. and then says, go. 100%. Yeah. And you now, know, if you're off course, he'll correct you if you've gotten yeah. away from his vision, which you expect, you know, but other than that, he's more of the, here's my vision, just disappear, go make it happen. And it's awesome that way. It and- is so awesome. You know, I had Glenn on the show last year and he was uh, saying that, I will actually pay top dollar for a specialist, but really not pay anything for a generalist. And it's so true because everyone that he has on his executive team is really the top tier of where their own sort of like lane is, right? And that's what's really exciting about working for our company. Well, and how cool is it that like, if you and I were not working virtually? Yeah. Would we have ever gotten to work together? Probably yeah, not. Like by him doing it the way he's done it, he's enabled the best to work with the best. And then we get to push each other. And, you know, it's like as an agent, you never wanted to be the top agent in the office. I always wanted one above me at least. Yeah. So I knew where I wanted to get, you know, and, and like here we still get that where it's like, you know, if it, it's also even a knowledge sharing, like when you first came, like we get to share knowledge back and forth. Like That's right. You know, and, and I love that because, again, I don't know the answer to everything. You don't know the answer to everything. But you know who probably does is the person pushing the buttons in payment processing who knows the system better than I do. You know what I mean? So, like, we have this really cool knowledge base around that I just love. It's so true. Now, you know, you mentioned a lot of mentoring and coaching that you did for so long in your career. Yep. So, I have a question. Someone coming into the business today, what would be three things that you would say to that agent that would be critical for them to succeed in our business? I think, and I I think my number one is always um, you're running a business. 
And, and one thing I do think we let realtors down on is I don't think we always, we teach them real estate licensing law. We teach them how to stay safe and how to stay legal. We teach them how to take care of the client, but we don't teach them how to stay in business. We don't teach them the basic economics. And I think the first thing every realtor should do is either get a business coach or take some business classes or really get in some of those masterminds. And remember at the end of the day, it's not just a career, it's your own business, which is very different than a career. Um, I, I think that's my first. And then um, there, there was a gentleman at my last brokerage, uh, Gritzmacher. We just called him Gritz. And, you know, Gritz and I would tell people the same thing, which was if we could look back and think of the simplest mistake we made, like 101 would yeah. not have taken us much work. It was called database. Like, everybody talks about it and nobody does it. And then people act like we've talked about it so much. It's not important. I'm like, no, actually it's still talked about it that much because it's your life. Like you build a good database and the world is yours and you will, you will get to stop marketing as much. You're going to only pay attention to your people and they will bring you the business. Like I remember running into some people that owned a towing company in, in when I was selling up in Prescott and they commented to me that they were apologizing. To call, for having them and all their friends call me for anything and everything. And they said, we realized you've just became our go-to for everything. And so I think that's my third piece of advice is I used to sell to a lot of first-time homebuyers, right? And a lot of the younger kids and a lot of agents didn't want to sell to them because it was only a hundred thousand dollar house or $150,000 house. And I was always trying to remind them that they're young and they're impressionable. And if you take care of them now, Oh, yes. You become their resource. You become the, hey, by the way, Michael, after closing, I got you. Do you need a handyman? Do you need a plumber? Do you just need someone to repair your car? Do you need a babysitter? I'm your girl. You call me. And then when they're buying the next house and the next house or when their friends are looking, you were their support system. You weren't just their agent. And so my third would be, you know, become their go-to for everything outside of real estate. Because what happens is, they don't come back. They don't go to someone else to resell their house because they didn't like you. They go to someone else to resell their house because they forgot about you because you didn't That's stay right. in touch. That's and right. we don't want to just stay in touch saying, Michael, you selling yet? You selling yet? You selling yet? We want to stay in touch saying, hey, by the way, I, I found a really cool babysitter down the road and I know you have kids. I used to have a realtor that she would keep track of her clients by their shopping habits. No kidding, Michael. Shopping habits. Wow. She would knew the women that were shoe freaks. And if DSW had a killer sale... She'd send it out to her shoe freaks. Come on. I love that. You know, and so th- I think those would be my three I love most. That. And they sound simple, but simple, what does it? But you know what? It's sort of like, I think it's really important. Your first one is so important with the idea of how many agents have a business plan, right? This is a business. This is. is a business. When I used to sell, I came from banking world. So I came from a very corporate world. Oh, Perfect. So it was, you know, when I sort of mentor people and coach people now, I sort of say, what's your customer acquisition cost? And they're looking at me like I have 12 heads. And what's your rate of, what's your rate of return on your marketing budget? Right. No one's ever. Can they even tell you how many sales they had last year? Well, let's hope they can, right? Most can't. And, and, and again, I don't blame them. They're so busy, but you know, I was the girl that would balance my checkbook and the companies to the penny. I don't care if it took me four more hours. I'm determined to find that darn penny, yes. you know, and, and, and that, that detail though is crucial in everything. And, and it's what will keep them afloat. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. 
So tell me, Stacey, how do you motivate your team? Now, I have to say something. And mm -hmm. it is, it is, you know, I start looking from uh, as an observer almost. Your team adores you. They adore you. And it is, you're an amazing leader. How do you motivate your team? Um, open communication for one. Um, you know, even this morning, we were on a call talking about um, we're going to have some uh, decision rights meetings with some other departments just to make sure we're on the same page. And, you know, I think it's little things like I, I had to ask, like I asked some questions, you know, um, am I giving you enough support without hindering your creative ability? Like, I, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm giving them what they need and I'm there for them. But I also want to make sure that I'm not micromanaging them, which number one, I'm not really good at because <laughs> I hate it, you know, but and I, I think we have, we have a very open line of communication. Um, I'm, as you well know, I'm, I'm kind of an open book and things just come out. Um, <laughs> and very honest, somehow, actually. Right, exactly. And they're very honest when they come out. And yeah. so I'm not always, I think, the normal executive they're used to dealing with. I'm the one that I still want them to know that if we were in brick and mortar and the toilets needed to be clean, I'm in. I'm Johnny on the yeah. spot with them, you know. Um, and, and I think ours, we, we do, you know, I, I want them to know I'm there. And, and I think I've done an okay job and, at them understanding that, you know, my biggest concern is... I know that if my staff is not happy, well taken care of, feeling empowered and feeling like they have a purpose in knowing what it is, that they won't actually serve the agent. So my first priority in getting the agent served is getting my staff taken care of. And I think if anything, I just, I, I hope they know I have their back, you know, and, and I, I think most of them do, but I think that's our biggest. And then we really do, um, one of the things that like Jim knew, like he's, he's kind of my first right-hand guy, yeah. right? And what I love about Jim is if you listen to some of our conversations, they'll sound almost like a heated debate. But the best part is, is that's what I want from my team. And I want them to all have that because our best ideas come from your worst, my worst, Glenn's worst, Jeff's worst. We combine all those really bad ideas together and we just came up with little parts of each one that become this amazing thing. And I think unless the people in the room feel safe enough to throw really bad ideas out there, you're never going to get the most creative ones because creativity comes from really bad things. That, that's, just, you know what? That's really it so true. It is so true. Creativity comes when you have a safe place for discussion. Yes. Right? One of our, know that they're not going to be chastised. Oh, yeah. One of, I, I think one of the best compliments I got was from a gentleman that quit, actually, on his way out the door. I still talk to him. I still coach. We coach. We have like little coaching sessions every couple of weeks. Yeah. And one of the things he had said to me was that he appreciated, I gave him freedom to fail oh, I love and that. fail without recourse. Like it was just, and I, I, it was like, okay, you know what? You tried it. By the way, let's not try it again. Wasn't fun. But hey, you know what? You tried. Yeah. And he tried with logic. He tried with reasoning. Not everything's going to work. And then you just move on. You fix it and you move on. Like we're not doing brain surgery. That's right. So pretty much everything we do is fixable. So Absolutely. I think it's just fun to let people figure out what they can and can't do. That's awesome. So what's the greatest lesson you've learned in your career thus far? Oh, it's one I still learn every day. 
<laughs> Which is what? Stop being a perfectionist and allowing myself to fail. Notice I have no issues letting my team fail. I'm so hard on myself if something I've done is not perfect. Like I kind of grew up in a family where second place was first loser. Not saying that is the right way to grow up, believe me. But it was, you know, my dad was a huge sports guy. Like you, my, my, my spiral football throwing is that spot on, baby. You know what I mean? Like if you learned it, you did it right. Yeah. And so I've, I've not necessarily like, it's funny. I'm, I'm the worst critic on myself. Like here's a funny moment. I can, I've even noticed, I think Whiteside must've figured that out about me because if he needs to bring me something he brings it very lighthearted, very quick to the point, good talk, we're done, go do things. Cause I think even he knows I'll be twice as hard on myself as you'll ever be. Yeah. And, and I, I think probably my biggest lesson is I would actually probably do better truthfully and have more success than I have. If, if I was better at failing myself, because that That's would give me the right to, to pick it up and clean it up. That's really insightful. And I know that we just went through our, uh, our little sort of uh, um, team building exercise yeah. last month. And it was really that executive coaching that we had. And it was really wonderful space in there where I think everyone got very close also. And, you know, it was because outside you're incredibly, you're an incredibly strong leader. And so for you to be vulnerable with that vulnerability in my mind, made you stronger. And you're right. And I think you knew by the look on my face. And, and I'm going to throw sweet Courtney under the same bus. I think she was the same creature I was. Yeah. I think we were both like uh, wiggling in our skin at the beginning of that. <laughs> but at the end of it, I will say it was probably my favorite part of QBR. And Me for too. that reason, like I walked out of there feeling safer, um, yeah. feeling like, and the other thing too is it, it gives you that empathy and that understanding for where the other person is coming from because sometimes 100%. in business, yeah, yeah, we get so into the results that, oh, yeah. you know, Mike Vane says a lot, assume positive intent. Good words from Mike. I love that one. I love yeah. that one. So, you know what I learned recently on that trip also? What? Is that you're an excellent shooter. I don't know and, if I'd use the word excellent. I just enjoy it. Well, listen, <laughs> I think you're being humble again. So I know it takes discipline to do that. Now, I want you to define discipline for yourself for me. How do you define it? Discipline for me is just remembering to get up and do it when it's the last thing you want to do. Mm. It's when... So I, I have a strange joint disease called Ehlers-Danlos. And so it forces me to stay very exercise driven, right? Because movement is key to not hurting. Sure. And so I think of that a lot when I think of getting up in the morning, I don't feel like going on my walk. So guess what I have to do? I Get up in the morning and go on your walk. More importantly, because I didn't want to, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and I think for me, discipline is finding the motivation inside you mm. to get you going on the most moment when it's everything else in the world you want to do besides that. And just reminding yourself, I can go do everything else after I do this. That's right. No procrastination right. or it won't get done. 
Yeah. Listen, when the alarm clock rings at five, that for me to go you to the gym, go. I don't want to wake up at five. But you I also go. don't want to be 300 pounds. There you go. <laughs> and, and it is. It's, it's, and I think, I think that is the biggest thing. And, and everybody's motivation is going to be something different. You know? That's right. But I think regardless of motivation, with enough practice, I think you can become more disciplined. I really do think it's practice. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. It's sort of like what do they say? It takes um, it takes three weeks to break a habit and four weeks to create a new one. <laughs> Should be the other way around. Can you reverse that math? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you've been at EXP four years now. Uh, about three and a half, somewhere in there. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So tell me from your point of view. How is this meteoric rise? What's the reason behind it? Right? It's insane um, now. We're the cool kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, it's funny. Um, I think there are some things that make us feel different. Um, I think that a lot of people are still not because of the pandemic. This is prior to pandemic. I think a lot of people were still looking for new and different connections. And one of the things that I think I've seen a, a difference in the way agents communicate with each other, not us as staff, but agents yeah. is, you know, when you think of trying to mastermind with the best of the best in your area, a lot of agents still tend to hold back a little bit because they still feel like the person in your area is competition. I happen to actually have a very different belief than that. I believe no one is your competition. There is more real estate than you'll ever want to sell. And that the more you help the person around you, the more you're actually going to sell. But regardless of my belief system, I still think that our agents, it's been really neat to see them where they're getting to learn West Coast style from to East Coast style, Midwest to South everybody's actually in an environment where they genuinely do better when the person next to them does better because they're Absolutely. taking advantage of the stock. They're taking advantage of everything. So they're no longer competition. And, and just that level of sharing and that level of masterminding, I, I think is really cool. And when I go to our events, it's, it's fascinating to see like that genuine where their eyes light up and they're so excited to see that person that they've been seeing in Avatar World. And now yes. they got to meet them. And as to where when we were in our, our more localized offices, you'd go to a national event, but you, you didn't actually recognize anybody in the room because you don't associate with them in their office. Yeah. This gives people that ability to get that close bond and, and make network connections across the country. And so I, I think, I just think even for the agents, that connection has been huge. Um, I think that a lot of us who went through, I, I still call them the dark times, like the last crash around, you know, 2009 oh, and yeah. all that. And I think, you know, realtors remember showing up at the office with locked doors. And, oh, yeah. and so being, I think there's a lot of agents where being with a financially sound company, debt-free, um, I think they also value their time more than ever. And so once they realize that it's actually easier to get FaceTime with your broker in our environment than it is to get FaceTime with a broker in brick and mortar, because by the way, I didn't have to shower, didn't have to put on real clothing. I can stay in my PJs. And yet I can go share a contract on a wall. I think they're starting 
I, I really think there is, it's just a different value proposition. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think that there's no gatekeepers, right? I mean, anyone can go in and go see you, go see me, yeah. go see Jason, go see Glenn yeah. at any time without an appointment. If we're in our office, we're welcome to okay. everyone. That could never Absolutely. happen in another organization. And, and I, I think that helps us keep perspective as well, because I think sometimes, you know, it's like you used to tell brokers, sell a couple of houses a year just to make sure you are in tune with what your agents are going through. Um, because of the way we're set up, we're, we're, even if we may not be in production anymore, we're still close enough to that that we can yeah. maintain some of the empathy for what they go through. 100%. 100%. So what advice would you give your 10-year-old self from your lens now? <sighs> Number one, every decade is going to get so much cooler and so much better. Um, <laughs> don't be afraid that, to grow up, right? Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, I agree I with totally, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, again, it would go back to... I, and I've always kind of been a risk taker. I mean, if I look back at not even in real estate, but just life. Yeah. Um, but I took risks, but a lot of them were more, you know, more calculated, more this and that. And I think if I could do anything, you know, like, like you think of Glenn, like Glenn is like, well, let's just do it. And if it's not broken, break it. And then we'll just rebuild right. it anyway. So don't worry about it. You know, I, I think there is a little more of that that I probably could have done when I was younger of just, you know, carrying, okay, that there's a, carrying a little less what everybody else thought about me and just doing it. Just be me, do me, whatever made me happy at the time, you know? And, and I think even in real estate, I think a lot of people come in and they hear that most real estate agents don't make it. And they've already set a doubt in the back of their head. Mm. I, I think remove that doubt and just because I'm finally at a point now where I can honestly say that, like, I know I can pretty much do anything I put my mind to, but really That's want right. to do it. But I didn't always believe that. And, and I didn't genuinely believe it. And I think knowing that younger would have been better. That's a great sense of freedom, isn't it? Yes. Right? Yes. Now and my husband and I talk all the time that like the worst, usually when my husband and I have something that comes up that feels like, Oh my God, seriously, how did this happen? Yeah. It sucks at the time. And then we always laugh if we can, one of us can pull each other out of the muck. It's like, you know what? Every time this happens, it always works out for us better in the end. Like we always yeah, end up where we were supposed to be. And, and we've realized that. And I think if you can remember that in the rest of your life, that, you know, every bad relationship, every bad job, every bad anything you've ever had prepared you for where you are now. And without that, you wouldn't be who you are. That is, that's so true. You know, I, um, I was diagnosed with colon cancer at a very young age. Uh, I was 24. And when I went through it, in hindsight, you look back and it was like, my God, it was the greatest gift ever. And yeah. I say that now. And it was that sense of, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I'm very black and white. I don't do gray very much. <laughs> and so it's that whole idea that you're either <laughs> you're either going to love me or not. And that's fine because yeah, I can't okay. control that reaction. Yeah, it's okay. right? And you keep moving and yeah. it's sort of like you go find your tribe and you go and help right. the people that you can. And that's what you sort of like go with. Right. And so that is the, the it, it's a different lens that you see the world through. And it becomes much more like, you know, this is 
you, you, we're all born with our own power, talent, and strength. Yeah. And it's that sense of discovering it and letting it reach that potential, yeah. which is really beautiful. And realizing you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And that's, that's right. okay. It's great, actually, because then you have freedom for those that you are. Absolutely. You fill that space in. Absolutely. And that's really great. Yeah. I, like I want to shift a little bit. Okay. So I also know that you're amazingly philanthropic. And, you know, this is something that it's one of the core values of our company as well. So share with me a little bit about what those efforts have been thus far for you. Um, that's such a good question. I think if I think of it inside the real estate world, um, humorously, if you know anything about teaching in the real estate world, it's not the most lucrative end of our business. Should we call it that, right? <laughs> Some would call it charity. But I'm a genuine believer that it was one of the things that I have found the most joy in is giving of my time and energy to the brand new agents, the ones that have just tried it. And, and they that. were always my favorite to spend. You know, if I, if I needed to be with someone on a night or a weekend, it was an agent. I, I want the one that's in, you know what I mean? That is just clawing and scratching. And when they come back to you and say that something you said to them six months ago made a difference and changed them, I'm totally in. And then other than that, I mean, the reason there's four dogs in my house and there used to be five, um, I'm a gutless wonder when it comes to dogs. Like, <laughs> love that. <laughs> I'm a sucker. I mean, I, I literally, my mom would tell people I would drive. And this is not a joke. I remember driving down the road and a stray ran in the road and just sat down in front of my car. Like, I swear, there's a sign on me that just says, <laughs> she'll stop and take you home. And I remember my, my ex-husband at the time, he was coming home and I was on the phone with my mom and. She's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, maybe he won't notice. We have so many in the house. <laughs> and my, my husband now threatens, these are the last, you know, and it's funny because we just, you know, in moving to Puerto Rico, um, we've been talking about, you know, what do we want to really focus on there? And, you yeah. know, for me, it's going to be focusing on those animals that I've always considered are the ones that need a voice because they can't always speak for themselves. Actually, you segued right into my next question. I was going to ask you about Puerto Rico. Now that you sort of moved there, that's got to be an incredible lifestyle change also. So tell me how that's been for you and your family. Awesome. Oh, wow. Um, that's I love it. Um, I am, I'm a big water person. Yeah. Uh, just the sound of it can bring me down from my most stressed moment. And so, you know, it was one of those where as soon as Glenn opened in Puerto Rico, it was like, I get the opportunity to keep my job yeah. and go live on an island and, you know, still come back and visit the States when I want to visit everybody. But I get to go live this completely different adventure. And, and you know, with what we do for a living, it's, it's pretty go, 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 and it can be pretty stressful. So getting to have like that out be so much closer. I mean, it's six minute drive to my favorite beach bar. I mean, oh, really, I is life good or what? You know, and and I think for me, the other thing too that I uh, the the culture the culture is one thing that like I love their culture. Mm. I love the people of Puerto Rico. They are welcoming, and and I swear to you, when they offer you for help, and you feel like it's that. They didn't really mean it, but they were just offering to be nice. Oh, no, no. You better take them up on it because it's almost an insult. Like they mean it. Yeah. They care. 
with every ounce of their being. And I love that about that. It was funny. Like we love beliefs for that same reason. And so between those two, we just, we, we couldn't resist the opportunity to just go for it. That's and amazing. I'm loving it. So you're going to move to Belize when we open there? <laughs> you know, I mean, I was waiting to see where you're going to open, where you're going to open. <laughs> you did Puerto Rico, so we went there for you. Know, maybe Belize will be my next adventure. I am so not opposed to new adventures. <laughs> I love that. So I have one final question for you. This is a question that I love to ask almost all of my guests. So in your book of life, what is this chapter called? You know, I am in... And again, you and I kind of have, you already talked about it. Like, like I just turned 50 this year and I know it sounds dumb, but I was excited because my twenties were good, but my thirties were really cool. Forties yeah. were amazing. And so I'm just excited to see what my fifties bring. I feel like this part is my more happy settled. Um, like I feel like the luckiest human in the world because like I have like the most amazing relationship with my husband. You know, we are by are just buddies. We love the heck out of each other. We love hanging out. So I've got like this amazing home life. Yeah. And then I get to do what I love for a living, which is solve puzzles every day and put things together. And so for me, it's just like, I feel like this is that time in life when everything I worked for and everything I wanted, I'm like, dang, I got it all. This is really That's cool. It. Yeah. That's awesome. It's just like my happy settled port. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know what? You make other people really very happy. And it's, uh, including me, it was one of those things that you and I, when we were just talking, there was always this great connection. And then yeah. when we met in person, it was like, oh my God, this awesome. is it. This is like yes. long lost sister. This is great. Yes. Um, so it's been a delight. Thank you. For sharing. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh my and God. It's been so much fun. And I can't yes. wait to see you again in person. I know. Uh, and I'm hoping it's going to be very soon. I think I'll probably see you in August. If I think I'll see you in Texas, won't I? Um, I yes, in August. Okay. Will. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you will. Awesome. It's going to be great. Thank you again, Stacey. Thank, thank you. For all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. 